Hi everyone, and welcome back to season two of Sprint Race Show, the Formula One podcast with me, your host, Emma Ridgway. We are now in the midst of the new car reveals, but that is not why I am here now. Many weeks before my initially scheduled launch, I am here today with a very special episode for you live from the red carpet of the 2021 Autosport Awards. I was absolutely thrilled to be given the opportunity to interview some amazing guests arriving just before the ceremony started. I really hope that you enjoy the conversations that I had. The people that came to talk to me I found were incredibly gracious with their time and very humble in their answers as well. So without further ado, We start with the reigning Formula 2 champion and now Alpine reserve driver for this year, Oscar Piastri. Talents like Oscar do not come around very often. And there was a lot of anticipation that he would become the next star to move up into the senior category. Alas, when the season came to an end, all of the seats were taken. I found that there was some comparisons between Oscar and George Russell both from their performances in the junior categories, storming through Formula 3 and Formula 2, but also in their apparent wait for the car that they want. After three years, George Russell now moves into the seat that he has waited so long for. So, what I asked was whether or not it comforted him, knowing that other drivers have also had to wait a long time for their dreams to be realised, but eventually get to them. Yeah, I hope so. Obviously, you know, stepping into F1 is, is such a different league to, to anything I've raced before that, um, you know, the experience really does help. Obviously, in, in junior categories, you're racing against sort of the same people uh, for your whole junior career, whereas when you jump to F1, you know, you've got people like Lewis who have been in the game for, you know, 16 or 17 years now, um, which you know, is just, you, you don't have that in junior formula. So uh, it's a step up. And yeah, I think, you know, the young guys like George and, and Lando and, you know, Charles as well, I think they've been really good uh, examples of, of young guys that can can be successful early on in their career. At this moment, I was very lucky because Alex Albon had just arrived right next to where I was talking to Oscar, a great example of a driver who has come back after a year out and proved that having this gap is not detrimental to a potential Formula One career. Yeah, I know. It's Obviously, it's not the end of the world. Obviously, I would have loved to have been on the grid full time, but... Um, I think it's been proven time and time again that uh, a year out is, is you know, not uh, a career killer. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying to get as much experience as I can away from racing uh, and, uh, yeah, try and use it for hopefully when I'm on the grid. Good luck for the new season and for the award tonight. Thank you very much. It's clear from at least what I could see, Oscar was disappointed not to have a drive this year. And rightly so. It is not unfair to think as the champion of the junior category right below Formula One that winning it should at least give you a very good chance of getting a Formula One seat. But as we all know, it isn't always as clear cut as that. You know, there are people moving up to different categories having come nearly last in a former category. Oscar deserves a chance at Formula One, but as we know from last year, Deserving something does not guarantee that it will happen. But as I said, talents like Oscar do not come around 
very often. And I think there is a lot of attention on the fact that he didn't get a seat. That evening, he went on to win the Rookie of the Year award for the second time. And so I think he has a very bright outlook in the not so distant future in Formula One. I mentioned that Alex Albon had arrived and also that George Russell had taken his dream seat at Mercedes, which subsequently left an open slot at Williams. Well, it turns out that free seat went to Alex Albon. I asked him what George Russell had to say to convince him to go to Williams. I didn't need much uh, convincing to be honest. I think uh, obviously I spoke with him a lot about um, well, during last year, yeah. seeing what the options were at Williams because obviously I was looking for a seat. Um, he said, you know, there's a good chance that there will be a, a, a seat for, for you. Um, that was it. I think as soon as I got a sniff of the Formula 1 seat, I was uh, straight on it. How different is it so far in the few weeks that you've been there to Red Bull? It's been different. It's been different. Um, just more as, you know, it's just a different environment where um, I've spent a while now getting to know the team at Red Bull. And once I've, like, now I'm, now I'm a Williams driver, it's, it's that kind of restart where you've got to figure out, you know, your engineers, the people that you're talking to on a daily basis. Um, but other than that, you know, it's still a high-performing team and everyone works the same. It's still, different. everyone's at the very top, so the, the level's extremely high there. Excited about it? Very excited, very excited. Cool, good luck. Thank you. I am really happy to see Alex Albon back on the grid. I thought that he was a very talented driver who was very unlucky to lose out to uh, a seat to Yuki Tsunoda last year. I thought that Alex potentially, given the experience of being in both the AlphaTauri and also in the Red Bull, probably earned that seat. Alas, he took a year out. And as we've just spoken about with Oscar Piastri, it clearly isn't always the end of a career either. I would say whether or not I thought a car suited a driver physically, like the, the style of the car, but we have no idea. We have no idea with these new cars and with the Williams launching next week, I think it'll be really interesting to see how Williams fare with the new rules. It would be nice to see them back up on the podium again, but we'll have to see. Uh, all I know is that they have two decent drivers with Alex Albon and Nicholas Latifi. Not long after Alex Albon arrived, in came his former team boss, Christian Horner. Now, with a lot of focus on the engine freeze for the next three years, I was really interested to ask Christian about the newly announced partnership, or I guess extended partnership, with Honda that was announced just last week. Here's what he said. Yeah, look, I mean, we've got a great uh, relationship with Honda. We've, we've got a technology agreement with Honda uh, that we'll be relying on particularly this year. And, uh, you know, that gives us very much a soft landing as we, uh, you know, become uh, engine manufacturers you know, with a key focus on 2026. So we know that Red Bull are building their own powertrains. We know that they're working towards being um, an engine manufacturer. There were lots of rumors about whether or not they would join up with maybe VW, Porsche for the engines, um, but these are all just rumors. But what we do know is that Red Bull have made a loud attempt to, let's say, poach a lot of the Mercedes powertrain engineers. I say poach, they could have these engineers could have willingly left Mercedes, that is completely fair to say. 
but we do know that a good number of Mercedes engineers, I think five were reported to have left Mercedes powertrains for Red Bull. And just two weeks ago, both teams sent out a joint tweet explaining that they had come to an agreement uh, about Ben Hodgkinson joining Red Bull. Ben Hodgkinson was, of course, a Mercedes engineer uh, on the engine side and had worked for Mercedes for 20 years. So it will be really interesting to see, firstly, how good the Honda powertrain is this year, but also when we can unfreeze the engines in 2026. Red Bull are clearly putting a lot of their eggs in that basket, as well as working on the engine that they currently have. What about Checo Perez? Well, we know that he was key in helping Max Verstappen win the World Championship last year. I asked Christian Horner what Checo's chances were of remaining at Red Bull beyond this season. Uh, really, that's in his hands. You know, if he keeps driving like he did last year, then uh, you know there's no end point. You know, that's decided. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to, to this season, and, and Checo's been training hard. So, I think he's, you know, he's in good shape. Thank you. Thank you. It was a great chat. Uh, I was very grateful to get some of his time. Uh, as you can imagine, there were a lot of people there who wanted to talk to him. Speaking of the new rules, um, we know that the engines will be freezed for the next three years as Christian Horner said. There is a huge amount of work that people are putting into not only the engine with the same specifications for the next three years, but also beyond that as well. There are, of course, a huge number of rule changes coming in this year. I spoke to former Formula One driver and host of Sky Sports F1 and fifth gear Karun Chandok what he thought about the new rules and who might have the edge going into the new season. Well, the one who's able to exploit the new floor regulations the best. And until we see, we haven't even seen the cars as we stand here today. So we, um, we have no idea. I mean, it'll be one of those years, though, I think that if, if there's a team somewhere that can exploit how you seal the floor to yeah. the ground better than someone else, um, they'll gain a huge advantage, like 1980. Um, we have traditional uh, Mercedes tracks, Red Bull tracks. Do you think that's completely wiped clean now with the new yeah. rules? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the philosophy of the cars is completely different. So, no, I think that's a, that history is all gone. Going to be a surprise wherever we go? Yeah, I hope so. You know, I think uh, it's certainly going to be a surprise when we go to Bahrain, and then after that we'll see. Cool. Have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you. I love the idea that there might not be any traditional Mercedes tracks, Red Bull tracks going into this year. I think that will really help the divided fan base, shall we say, on the internet as well. They can't be screaming on the internet going, well, it's only because it was a Red Bull track or only because it was a Mercedes track. That is, as Karun said, wiped clean now. We have to, I think, spend the next few years seeing if a track particularly suits one car or whether or not it's just the driver that is able to make the most of that track. How about this for someone? I was very, very happy to speak to Stefano Dominicali, who was the very last team principal to be at Ferrari whilst they won a driver's championship. That was, of course, in 2008 with Kimi Raikkonen. He is now the CEO of the Formula One group and replaced Chase Carey, I think, maybe last year, but he's very well renowned in the world of Formula One, has been around for a long time and is very excited for the new season. 
Here's what I asked Stefano. This year, we're changing an, an awful lot in Formula One. We have new rules, we have an engine lockout and new circuits as well. Is that too many changes for one year? I don't know. I think that uh, it's terrific to see how many things are possibly uh, creating an incredible interest on, on Formula One. That's really what I can say. I mean, uh, it's for sure uh, clear that there is a lot of interest because of uh, what has happened last year in terms of interest, in terms of attention. What would be the new regulation? Uh, what would be the new site that will host Formula One? What would be uh, the fact that we're going to have uh, uh, so many new people that are watching Formula One? So I think that is, all the ingredients are great. Of the new changes, what are you most excited about? Well, I would say I'm really looking forward to see the, the, the reaction of the, of the new car on the track. Have you heard any of them yet? Any of the well, sounds? as always, uh, before the start of the season, everyone is so confident that they did a great jump. But it's the track and, and, and the stopwatch that will tell us the truth. Thank you very much, Stefano. Thank you. Stefano is right. It will be the stopwatch that tells us who has made the best car. I mean, I've not had this level of anticipation for who could be good and not good for, well, nearly a decade, right? Since the start of this era. How about this for a final interview? A great story from a voice that you will have heard if you listen to Formula One. This is one of the voices that I've grown up listening to. I am, of course, talking about commentator David Croft, or Crofty as he is also known as, who actually very recently did a collaboration with DHL as part of a commentary challenge. You might have seen it online. So I asked about the commentary challenge and I got an amazing story in response as well. Go for it. Um, DHL, fastest lap. Yes. Are you going to be welcoming a new commentator? <laughs> uh, there's always uh, any welcome for someone who has enthusiasm and passion into a commentary box. Um, I think the DHL fastest lap competition was superb. Um, I get a lot of people on social media telling me how they sit in front of a television and they try and commentate over a Formula One race. That's what I did when I was a very young man in Stevenage all those years ago. So um, the fact that now someone can do it and win a competition and show the world just how good they are, I think it's a brilliant idea. This could be their big break. Who was your big break? Who was my big break? Uh, my big break came when a very good friend of mine said to me, do you want to report on Stevenage Borough? Um, and I can't pay you any money, but I'll give you a byline. This is for a local newspaper back in about 1993. And I used that as my, my stepping stone into the world of sports journalism. Nice. And I didn't know if I wanted to be a Stevenage Borough reporter for the rest of my life or where it would take me. Uh, but I used that as a one foot on the ladder and uh, got into a lot of situations where I found the ability to say yes, never said no, and, well, eventually it got me to a bar in Las Vegas when someone said, do you want to be a Formula One commentator? And I went... That wasn't yeah. it, no. No, seriously, that wasn't seriously? it. Seriously? Yeah, and I said, yes, I do. And uh, I auditioned uh, for Formula One, uh, for Five Life, for BBC Radio Five Live. Wow won the audition and uh, became the, uh, the F1 commentator and that was, uh, that was 2005 and over 300 races later I'm still doing the job that I absolutely love and would not want to do anything else on this planet. What a great story, right? I mean, that's why he's also an amazing commentator because of his ability to tell a story very, very passionately, very clearly. But what about the information with being a commentator? Surely with all the rule changes, there's a huge amount of new information to be prepared, right? Well, let's see what he said. 
Final question. Uh, do you, ha with the new new rules coming in, do you have to do like a lot of research? Do you have to do a bit of figuring out things before you go into that first race? Before you have to commentate over, you know, an engine lockout for three years or a new floor design? Yes, 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 and yes. I, I was I wasn't very good at revising at school, but I've put my revision tactics to very good use ever since. When the word calls for it, this is the moment, right? Yeah. Listen, you, you prepare to fail. Uh, fail to prepare. You prepare to fail, and I do as much research now as I ever did as, uh, when I first started, because you never know enough. Looking forward to hearing it. I'm, I'm going to hear what Christian Horner's got to say. Aren't we all? Because you know, because he knows what's going on, because he's actually got an engine and he's got a car, so he knows what's happening. He's not going to share much though. I bet he will. Some amazing insight there from a very well-respected Formula One commentator. It's very rare that we actually get a chance to speak to those types of people. We know that we get the chance to speak to Formula One drivers, to team bosses, but a lot of the personnel that do the hosting for us, that ask the questions for us, the Autosport Awards is a great chance for them to talk about what they think, the work that they've got to do to get ready for this season, especially in a year like this, where we have a huge number of changes coming in. I mentioned, it to, I mentioned it to Stefano. We have not only new rules, we have an engine freeze and we have new tracks and we're potentially going back to circuits that we haven't been to in many years. I think in terms of being a Formula One fan this year, it's very exciting, but I think at times it will be just a little bit overwhelming. I won't use this episode to talk about my overriding feeling going into the new season. We still have all of the cars to be launched first, and I'm really keen to see what they've come up with, although I don't think we're going to see the full extent of the aerodynamic design until at least testing in Barcelona, maybe even Bahrain, and then probably as close to the grid as possible. But in regards to the Autosport Awards, I am extremely grateful to the organizers for allowing me to interview a lot of these amazing people. So I really hope you enjoyed the questions that I asked and more importantly, the answers that everybody gave. I'm really grateful to everyone that came to speak to me to give their time and answer my questions. If you wanna find me on social media, I am at Sprint Race Show across the board. You will also find the motorsport blog on sprintrace.show. That is the new website name. I will be back once testing has completed in Barcelona, once all the cars have been launched and we have a decent idea of who might be a little bit competitive this year. So until next time, thank you very much for tuning in.